Hey family, welcome back. Before we get started, I want to thank our friends at the Center for Self-Improvement, Holistic Wellness and Transformation. Let's hear what they have to offer. The Center for Self-Improvement, Holistic Wellness and Transformation is your one-stop shop to Wellville. Here at the Center, we believe in treating the whole person. This is why our goal is to help each of our clients to obtain optimal health and wellness through mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional alignment. For more information about the services that we provide, visit us at thecenterforselfimprovement.com or give us a call at 630-748-4849. The Center, where we believe in treating the whole you. So here's my confession. Melanated Queen Productions has been working hard to plan the Melanated Queen Awards. I'm so excited to share that we have identified 22 women who will be honored during our first annual award show. And today's guest is one of our proud honorees. I first heard Ashley Kirkwood's story on a business podcast where she shared how she left a $280,000 salary at a prestigious law firm to start her own mobile law practice. When I heard that, I knew I needed to meet this woman. Ashley is the self-proclaimed lit lawyer who supports other entrepreneurs by teaching them the essentials of trademarking, understanding contracts, and all things related to running an efficient and protected business. Ashley has a great personality and I absolutely love her transparency and her ability to empower others throughout their journeys. This was a great conversation. Ashley, congratulations again on all of your success and look forward to watching you continue to grow as you exhibit true servant leadership. Let's take a listen. Hey, Queen, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm excited to talk to you. Yes, of course. We, we've been trying to do this for a little while now. We got the holidays out the way now. <laughs> I know. And now we're back I know. We get a chance to finally talk. Yes, and I cannot wait. This is going to be such a good conversation. It is, and I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. Because a few months ago, my business coach, Dr. Carrie Yazid, had you on her podcast. And I'm going to tell you, I listened to the show twice because the first time I listened to it, I know that you're an attorney and you had full of, you were full of energy, you're charismatic. And I remember all the accolades she gave you as well. But one thing that stood out is you talked about you leaving your good job with that good check <laughs> to follow your dream. Yes. And I had to go back and listen <laughs> to the whole episode again because I was like, wait, 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 wait. Did she say she left $280,000 a year to become an entrepreneur? <laughs> yes. And I was like, uh-uh, yes, I gotta hear girl. this again. But I didn't know was that you're practically my neighbor because Dr. Carey is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we're in Chicago area. So she connected us through Instagram. And I remember reaching out to you and you were just so welcoming. And here we are. So having said all that, can you share with us your version of that story? Yes, no, I definitely can. So I, I have always been the type of person who had goals, right? So like I had a plan. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to high school, graduate, go to college, graduate, go to law school, graduate. And I knew in law school, I wanted to work at the top firm in the country. Cause I was like, sister girl got to be paid. I'm going to go through all of this. I'm going to get paid. And my plan was working out. I was checking boxes off. Um, and it was unusual because I basically went from almost bailing out of undergrad to graduating top of my class from law school. And I went, I graduated from Northwestern University School of Law. And I started my career at Kirkland and Ellis. And that's like one of the largest firms in the world. And while there, so at those firms, your your starting salary is like $190,000, not including your 25 grand bonus, your first year out of law school. 
So I was like, okay, well, this is good. You know, I'm, I'm feeling good about this. This is working out. And I'm there. And after a while, I started doing trials. I did some civil rights work while I was there. I was trying to do, I did so much. People were like, how did you work such a demanding job and do so many other things? And the reality was I'd go to work for these big corporations doing big corporate law and it was not feeding my soul. So on the side, I did, I worked overtime and did civil rights pro bono trials and started a nonprofit with my husband called the Kirkwood Foundation. And I wrote a book called The Law School Hustle because I wanted to teach more students how to excel in law school if they had academic struggles in the past and like give them the roadmap to, to doing what I had done. But I did all that extra stuff because my day job just was not fulfilling. And I eventually was like, okay, well, obviously I'm just working this job because it pays well. You know, that's, that's what it was. And another firm came along and offered me even more money. So I left. It would have been, it was like a $60,000 raise. So I go to this new firm. I'm there. And now my first firm, I will say, although I wasn't super excited about the work that I did every day, they were, it was a group of people there. It was like a decent group of black lawyers there. Not blah, but like seven or eight of us. Um, that I was friends with and we went, we would talk and we had some level of community. I ended up going to the firm that once represented Michael Cohen. Girl, I was the only, <laughs> the only on my floor. There was not anyone that I had real community with outside of maybe one or two people. And my boss was known for being disrespectful. Like she had a rep for being disrespectful. And one thing about a sister who's achieved a little something, we don't tolerate disrespect for long. So I was there for all of five months until I decided, you know what, if I'm, and then like the paralegals there weren't willing to work with me. It was just challenge after challenge. And the reality was I earned the right to have a paralegal work for me. I'm not about to like, these are not discussions I was willing to have at that point in my career. Like why, why a white woman paralegal should do the work I tell her to do. I'm just not having those discussions. So at that point I was thoroughly disrespected. And I started to think it was a blessing in all of that because the level of disrespect, the lack of support from support staff, all of that began to show me, you know, since you've had to be your own support staff here, if you were to start your own firm, it would be kind of like this. So I began to see myself um, as more independent than I ever had before. And I began to see kind of how it would feel if I had to have I to see how it would feel if I had to have my own firm, if I wanted to do it on my own. And I did not like the feeling that I felt of like, these people, I was challenging them on diversity. I'm like, why am I the only black woman? Why did every other woman of color before me, the last three, leave within a year? Why would I be the fourth to do so? And the answer to my question that this company gave me was, if you don't like it here, you can leave. And what I realized at that point was that being um, a full-time employee, even at a prestigious firm with a good job, is very unsafe if you have no other means of income because, one, you cannot bite the hand that feeds you. And although these people were discriminatory, in my opinion, and disrespectful, they were the hand that was feeding me. They were the people that were giving me an opportunity, and I didn't have any other way to make money outside of working with people who genuinely did not care for me. And that made me realize, okay, I need to do something drastically different because I was depressed at work. I was on my, like, I was on the train. I get on the train, I'd be crying um, because I didn't want to go to work. People were looking at me on the train like, this girl is crazy. Why is she on the train crying every day? Are they beating her down there? What is happening? 
So I just realized because I was so unhappy and under supported at work, although not underpaid, I was under supported. Um, and the job that I do required 18 hour days, 15 hour days on the regular. The most I've worked is like 33 hours straight. I will never forget working 33 hours straight. And this was typical. Like you just did whatever it took to get it done. So although your pay, well, you know, you were working, you were working for that money. Um, and for me, I just never wanted to be in a position again where my livelihood is up to people who don't look like me, who don't care for me, and who I don't control. So I, I kept challenging them on diversity. They were like, if you're not happy here, you could leave. I packed my stuff and packed my stuff and bounced. And when I told them, they were like, oh, well, you know, are you resigning? I was like, no, no, I'm not resigning. You're, you're, you're firing me. So, so I'm leaving. I'm leaving at that point. You know, they were very much like, these are your options. Um, you know, and I, and I, and I left, I, I packed all my stuff, left, never looked back, have not looked back since. And the first day after I left that job, my book came out. So the law school hustle had launched. So I went on a book and speaking tour, planned it real quick <laughs> and started making money from speaking and became pretty much a full-time speaker until I got my firm off the ground, which took a couple of months. And now I have a trademark law practice and I do some um, diversity consulting for large corporations to try to help them to create safe spaces for their employees and at minimum to understand where their biases come from and to confront them face to face versus ignoring them. <laughs> so that's, that's essentially what I do now through Mobile General Counsel and I still do speaking, um, and do speaking workshops and teach others how to be professional and corporate speakers. But it is it is great. I love it. I'm not looking back. I don't plan on going back anytime soon. Um, if ever, I don't ever plan to go back. If I do, something in the plan went wrong. But <laughs> we'll deal with that if we ever have to. But yeah, I I, le I left. I was I was over that. Um, and I didn't really have a choice in leaving. Um, but I I just couldn't take it anymore. I think. I, and I do think that at the end of the day, although it was not a good experience at my second law firm, it was one that I needed because I was so comfortable at my first firm and I had gotten so used to wearing the coat of that firm's grandeur that I would have never left. Had I not been offered so much more money, I would have never left. Had I stayed at my first firm, I would have never become an entrepreneur because it was comfortable and, you know, the people were not the people really weren't rude at all. Like I didn't deal with too much crazy stuff. Although I was the only black woman in general litigation, I at least, if, if something did come up involving race, that firm, they were such a powerhouse firm. They were just like, oh, wait, what happened? Oh, no, 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 we don't want any of those problems. Take her off the case. Like it just was not an issue. Um, they at least dealt with it, but everywhere is not like that. And I think it showed me the danger of having one source of income and how it, as safe as everyone thinks having a nine to five is, it's really not that safe. So I've been following you for a while. And one of the things that you drive home just about and every time I hear you speak is the power of confidence. And I want to go back to something that you said. You said that when you had a conversation with your firm, they offered you, you know, the opportunity to say, hey, if you don't like it, you can leave. So you, when you packed up your stuff and somehow, even though, from the outside looking in, you had the perfect life, the perfect salary, the perfect whatever. You packed up your stuff. And when they said, what are you doing? You said, oh, no, you're firing me. How did you get the confidence to say, no, you're firing me, rather than say, to tuck your head down and say, no, I'm going to go ahead and just go then. 
What made you? Oh, because they choose? they wanted me to resign. They were like, we want you to resign. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, if you, if first off, I was an employment lawyer, so I mm-hmm. thought for me it was like, okay, I know how these companies act. I know mm-hmm. exactly how these companies act. And so when they told me they weren't going to change my working conditions, they weren't going to do anything to make it easier for me, they were like, um, I was like, okay. Well, well, here's the thing. I've, I've brought up these issues. I'm going to continue to bring up these issues. I'm going to talk to the press about these issues. So I just want you to know all of that. I was like, but, but I did tell them this. I was like, I'm happy to stay for the next 15 years if that's what it takes <laughs> to make it better. And they were like, no, no, no. You can't stay for the next 15 years. We're going to consider you resigned. And I was like, okay, well, guess what? You can't consider me resigned because I know the policies and procedures for resigning. So if you're going to consider me resigned, you're firing me. Let's be real clear about what this here is. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was just one of those things where as a black woman, first off, let me set the stage for where this meeting happened. And this, and I'm a Christian. So I want to say that first before I tell y'all the real story about how corporations are shady. I'm a Christian woman. The woman who called the meeting with me did not call it to talk about my employment. She was a, she was a pastor's wife. She knew that my husband was a pastor, and she said, hey, I want to have a conversation with you, basically like, you know, pastor's wife to pastor's wife about how things are going. Now, me thinking with my Christian heart was like, okay, cool, you know, pastor's wife wants to have meet with me. This is very rare to have a partner at a firm who's also a pastor's wife who probably connect, okay? So I let my guard down. When I got to the meeting, I saw that another woman was there, the general counsel of the firm was there, um, who dealt with HR issues. So I was like, okay, this, this whole setup says termination. I do these meetings as an employment lawyer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like I knew once I got in there, oh, uh, true hat went right on I was like oh see because these people think I'm a joke I don't even know why they playing with me (laughs) and I think that at that point when my dad has my dad's a pastor he always says be shrewd be shrewd don't let anybody take what's yours don't give up any rights that you don't have to be shrewd and he taught me not to trust people like that especially in corporate settings, because honestly, people can say they're Christians all day long, but their actions, their actions will speak louder than words. And the fact that this woman had called me to a meeting under the guise of like, oh, we're both pastor's wives, we're both people of the Lord, but had HR there on some slick stuff, not telling me HR would be there so I could have representation, et cetera. And before all of this, I worked for a plaintiff's employment lawyer, so I had already, you know, contacted a legal counsel. Even though I'm a lawyer, I have lawyers. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm ready for this because you have to trust your gut. You have to trust your gut. And the reality is when you're in these corporate settings, you have to be a shark because they are sharks. Like literally my entire department at that firm existed because companies get this all the time for discrimination. And they mm-hmm. typically get off all the time for discrimination. Like as an employment lawyer, I represented companies, not individuals. So I already knew my lawyer hat can come on real quick. <laughs> so I already knew it was they were on game. And within ourselves, we know, we, especially as women, we know when people are being shady or disingenuous towards us and we can feel it. It is literally a feeling you get it's like something about this situation is not right. And it made me act real shrewd. Like, okay, well, all right. Right. If we're going to play these games, then let's go. Throw the and, ball. I'm ready and, to catch it. And you read my book, sis. So you know that I was brought up to an HR meeting under pro- false pretense before. So oh, it, yeah. it, oh, it, yeah. happens. It, it happens. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I, 
and, and really so impressed with, and I go back to the word confident. You talk about that a lot, but you were trained, you were taught, you were mentored by your father. You know, you knew the yeah. game and, and many of us yep. have had to learn it the hard way, but you, you knew what was happening. And so that and we start, we start, mm-hmm. you know, shrinking in the presence of who we consider to be great. Mm-hmm. And I am a firm believer that just because you're white does not mean you're right. And just because it looks like people who are white are always in power, that does not, they're great. That does not intimidate me because it's self-made greatness. If it were up to me, everyone in power would, would look like me too. So I totally get why the society looks the way it does. But the fact of the matter is I'm not about to be intimidated by your title when I know for a fact the only reason why you dominate and your people dominate over mine is because the game was rigged from the start. So I'm not about to cower in the face of whiteness or in the face of a CEO or in the face of anyone because I know what lives on the inside of me and so many people that look like me, we just haven't had the chance to show it. That's right. And you've taken that. So, so having said that, when your next step was to become a consultant or did you start your business right away? What was your next step right after that? Okay. So my next step right after that, because I had already, you know, I had known something was up. So my next step right after that was I was going to just go back. I was like, okay, well, let me explore the market, see if I could go back into a law firm. And I had an offer at a firm that was like, it was as perfect as a law firm offer could be. It was a great offer, good firm, less money, but it was a good firm. So I was like, okay, well, I can take this. And um, we were still talking about like 250. So I'm like, whatever, this will be fine. And, and, this is so rare, but I didn't clear what's called conflicts. So essentially, when you're a lawyer, you have background checks. That's pretty easy. That's just like criminal stuff. And then you have what's called the conflict check. And that basically states uh, you, you have to make sure you haven't worked on any cases that were adverse to where you're trying to work next. So if I represented Walmart and the firm I'm going to represent in Walmart's opponent like that wouldn't work all the time. And it's so rare that I think it's probably less than 3% chance that I wouldn't clear conflict. Everyone was pretty confident that I'd clear. They're like, okay, well, of course you'll clear conflict, whatever. But I didn't clear conflict and I was devastated. But at that point I was like, this has to be a sign from God because then I started interviewing at all these different firms. And I'm talking about firms that are nowhere near as highly ranked as the firms that I'd worked at. Like when you start interviewing places and your qualifications are way above mm-hmm. <laughs> anything these places have ever seen, but they're putting you through the ringer. I was like, God, this can't be life. Cause I didn't, I've worked too hard to have to sit in these meetings and convince folks as to why I, you know, with my credentials, <laughs> why they should hire me. And the fact of the matter was the firms I was looking at, I mean, when I say they weren't even in the top 100, like these firms were not even, they weren't even close to where I was at. I was at a, the firm that I work at was within the top five revenue generating firms in the country. So why I got to convince firm number 97 to, to accept me and all those firms at all those firms, I would have been the only one or the only black woman that wasn't a mixed race. Okay. Let's say that. Cause there's also a look to this. I wasn't mixed race. I look black. I, I'm not racially ambiguous. You know what I mean? And it was, I was the only, like these are the issues we really don't like talking about. That's but the right. fact of the matter is, I'm not light-skinned, mixed-race, mixed-hair, skinny-little chick going to come in and flirt with you. I'm not doing none of that. So I just wasn't about to I, – I, it's hard for me to grovel and beg. There have been times where I've been 
more submissive than I would ordinarily because those are the games that we have to play in corporate. But at that point, I had already been disrespected. I had already decided, like, I was a little jaded. I'm not going to lie. I was jaded by the whole system and process. And these firms, look, it's my qualification. It should have been an easy thing. It should have been like, we're lucky to have her. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, the, what's right. the issue? And she'll make our diversity numbers go up. She's the only one. Like, okay, great. This is good. We get a little diversity, get this girl, we get her for way less than what she's worth. Perfect. But it was a challenge. And, and, and I started recognizing, I came home one day from um, an interview and my husband was like, Ashley, you know, how, how, how's your interviews going? I was like, who cares? He was like, no, that ain't the right answer. That ain't the right answer. So you, you really need to consider whether you want to go back into the workforce or whether you want to just do your own thing. And I was like, well, I want to do my own thing. So as long as you're okay with it, because my husband always has worked in public service. And I've never really wanted to work in public service full time. That's never been a goal of mine, only because of the pay. I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom working as hard as he works. And then they try to pay me what they try to pay people who do great for the community. Right. So I was like, okay, well, that's not appealing. But if you're going to do that, then I'm going to do this corporate greed thing and we're going to make it work. <laughs> and when he basically released me from doing the corporate greed thing, to do whatever I wanted to do. And he was like, we'll figure it out. I'll hold it down. We already own our house or whatever. We'll think about it. We'll figure out how to make it work. I was like, okay, cool, cool. This is good. This is very good. Let me figure out a game plan. And then I stopped interviewing and I went on to start my speaking tour. I did that for two months, went to colleges and universities all over the country for two months and got paid to speak. And I loved it. He loved it. He came with me a few times and saw the response and how many people were buying books. He was like, man, this is great. You should be doing this every single month. So I did more speaking. And then I decided, okay, well, I need to use this law degree. Um, And I've worked for billion-dollar businesses for so long, I could probably be helping entrepreneurs. So then I was like, okay, great. Well, how can I do it in a way that will be affordable for them? And I'm like, all right, well, you're really, I'm at heart, I'm a speaker. So my firm is um, a large part of what I do and a large part of what I advertise, and I love doing it because I'm helping predominantly women and minority-owned businesses legalize their businesses. But because it's not the only source of my income, I offer really flexible legal rates. I do lawyer-on-railway programs where people can pay as they go. I have flat fee legal services. So I came out with all these really cool, catchy programs and even online courses that people could take to learn how to do their own legal work. And that's how Mobile General Counsel started. So it's a mobile law firm. I essentially come to my clients. I do speaking events for my firm all over the country. And we specialize in trademark law and employment law. So once a small business is ready to hire their employees, they should call me. And once they're ready to own their brand name, meaning the name of their business, they want to make sure no one else in the country can use it for what they use it for, they should call me and we'll get them trademarked. And I have a get the tea on trademarks and clap back with contract class. Yes, and that's one of the things that that I know you most for is that you're you're a passion and your commitment to making sure that people protect their brands, and so they get yes. the T on trademark. Um, is that is that something that people do online with you? Is it something that they kind of follow along through? Like, how does that work? Definitely. So, get the T on trademarks is probably my most popular online class, and it's one hundred percent online. And what happens during that class is I educate you on the trademarking process, what a trademark is, what's the difference between a trademark, copyright, and all that fun stuff. And then we walk through how you file your federal trademark application. And we literally go step by step through the process. So step one, go to this website. And I actually file 
um, a trademark application live, one of the brands that I own, and I entire process up to payment and explain it along the way and let people know, okay, if you're going to do it yourself, these are the risks, but this is essentially how you do it. And at the end of the class, I'll typically give them, um, I'll give them information about how, like, if after taking this class, they still would like to work with me, which happens all the time, then I will give them different options for doing that. So it's a really, really good program um, in that regard. And it's a $200, typically it's between two and 250 for the class. And we walked through the entire trademarking process, and we've had some people who, during the class, have actually filed their trademark application. I remember you saying that. You said that by the end of the class, somebody had already did everything. <laughs> so yeah, that's amazing. They just followed along, did their stuff along the way, and <laughs> they were ready to file. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so it makes sense because oftentimes people cannot afford to hire an attorney to do just everything. So this way people can kind of join in class together, learn how to do things on their own, but still have the consultation from an attorney. So it's, it's perfect. And then I'm pretty sure, and you know, I've had these conversations where, you know, it's not limited to just your local area. People from all over the country can tap into it. Definitely. And we typically have more people from outside of Illinois that um, take the class than inside of Illinois. Right. That's, that's and that's amazing. just because of social media. <laughs> right, right. The way social media works, people are like, okay, well, you know, we don't really know. People don't even know that I live in Chicago. I have people that email me like, when's the next time you're in Chicago? I'm like, oh, I'll be in Chicago every day. Like two weeks, I live here. (laughs) And you travel so much. And so people are starting to know you and get to know your work and become more familiar with you because you are doing speaking engagements. So I'm pretty sure that that has been very helpful as well. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you about is that you have a program where people can have like office hours with you. Tell us about that. Definitely. So Office Hours with Ash is a program that I recently started and it's a program because there's some business owners that are like, I need the information weekly, or I want to be in a cohort of individuals who are all going for their dreams at the same time. And every month we meet up, we do, um, we do a workshop on a particular topic, and we have the workshop planned from January to December of this year. And we do a different workshop. It's typically legal or business themed, and then we talk about our goals, what, we're, what we have planned from last month, whether we reached those goals. And we bring in guest experts. So this month, we'll be bringing in someone to talk about taxes. She's an accountant and, a, and an attorney, um, highly qualified. She's been practicing probably over 20 years. And she'll be talking about what we need to do to keep our accounting in order so we can get our taxes done appropriately. Gotcha. So it's a really cool cohort. It's like a monthly coaching program. I do a 15-minute workshop every month, and then we talk, and we ask, we ask each other questions. And it's great because what started to happen on our last call was that one woman um, had the same business or did similar business to another woman, and they started sharing resources. And that's kind of what I want it to be is everyone is contributing in their own way. So it is still open for enrollment. It's $29.99 a month to join the program. And it's been really amazing thus far. Yeah, I'm, I can imagine because I've seen you in action. So, you know, now, <laughs> thank you. I want to ask you this, though, with now that you are on your own and you're doing your mobile console and you are offering all these programs and you're working with different people. Have you seen a pattern of the experience that you had at your firm and working in corporate America? Do you see that with your clients? Yes. So the, is the discrimination common? For my, like, have, have I experienced that other business owners experienced that when they were in corporate? 
Yeah, like our now that you're offering services and you're providing consultation for them, are they sharing with you stories that are very similar and to what you went through when you're working in corporate America? Yes, that is very that's very common. And most business owners, because the majority of my clients right now are minority or women-owned businesses, most of them, when sharing their entrepreneurship stories, there is an element of I was tired of being disrespected, or right. I just didn't want my income to be coming from people who didn't who didn't care about me. Um, there is a lot of that. I hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. I hear that all the time, um, and it's so common because these women are most people that I work with. You know, they were extremely accomplished on the rise in corporate America, could have made it to the C-suite if they were were to stay, um, but we're like, no, I don't. I just wasn't happy, um, and they decided to leave. And it takes a lot of courage to do that because. You know, it, it is, since we were children, we've kind of been told, you want to retire, you want to have a good job, you want to have a safety net, you want to have this great, safe life. But our generation is kind of over that fairy tale and recognizing that it's not really a fairy tale. Right, right. So I'm seeing that, I see that all the time. And that's why I want their businesses to do so well, because how great of a story would it be that it's like, man, I dealt with all this crap, but... I started my own business and became, you know, a millionaire in five years or a millionaire in three years because I did what I loved and people rocked with me for it. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing a pattern myself with especially, you know, having this show and just paying attention to what's going on that where, you know, people are starting to learn that it it, it was a little um, false represented, you know, coming up, you hear you hear that it should be this cookie cutter approach, you go to school, you get a good job, you get that pension, yep. and then you retire. And you pay off your house and you live happily ever after. But the, it seems as if the more successful you are, the more credentials you earn. Unfortunately, the, the, the less you're less well, you're treated. Like you're, you, you really go through an experience in a workplace to where it's very opposite of what you expected, you know, as you were going through that process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I had, a, I had an older white man tell me, and this also made me want to be, um, I kept, I've kept this very close to my heart as I started this entrepreneurship journey. This older um, white guy, he was a, a senior partner at a really firm, a great firm that I respected. And he said, you know, Ashley, you're a leader. And to be honest, we don't, we don't reward leaders <laughs> in this wow. particular field. And he said, you know, it's, it's interesting because not everyone is a leader. And he was like, if you're going to think about what you should do next, you should consider running your own thing. Because you're one of the type, you're the type of person that could make it work. And he's like, I would not say this to every associate because it's not true for every associate. But the fact of the matter is you don't exhibit large amounts of fear. So you could make it work. Everyone can't. And because you're one of the ones that can and you're going to continue to be a leader, you're going to continue to have problems here. So why not go and do your own thing and lead? Because people would follow you. Mm. And I... I really took that to heart because I love most of my mentors were older white men, to be clear. So I don't want people to hear my story and think like, oh, she doesn't like white people. No, it's not that. I don't like um, people who lack integrity and I don't Mm -hmm. like people who work in the shadows. That could be black, white or whatever. My most honest, um, direct and helpful because they had power to help mentors were old white men. And they always like the, the thread was they would always tell me. One, they'd give me like what I could do to get to the top, which would mean changing who I was. And they were honest about that and they knew that and they recognized there is a difference for me. But they'd also tell me, or you could just go and take over the world because the only thing that stops us from taking over the world is fear. 
All right. Absolutely. We just can't be scared. So I want to also talk about the Kirkwood Foundation, you know, so you and yes. in, in some of our conversations about, you know, teaching kids to, you know, earn valuable money making skills and, it, it, you know, aligning them with opportunities that will introduce them to high paying careers. And so you have the Kirkwood Foundation. How does that work? And I know you mentioned that your husband, he's, he likes to work in the community and you kind of had your choice, but somehow you guys have come together and you're making this work. Tell us about that. Yes. So the Kirkwood Foundation started because my husband is a college and career advisor and he has been for his whole career. Mm-hmm. And all of the, he would always ask the students, you know, what do you want to do when you get older? And their answers would normally be, you know, I want to be a beautician. I want to be, they, they had nursing was a big one. I think it was beautician, nursing, and there was one more, our athlete, top three. And he was like, you know, why do you want to do this? And every single student that we talked to, maybe 90, 95% of the students that we talked to chose their career because they knew someone who'd done that career. Exactly. The problem with that is when you look at the disparity in wealth in the black and white community, your career choice has a huge part in how much money you make and what type of legacy you're able to leave for your children, a financial legacy. I'm not talking about good feelings. Like how much money you leave your children depends on how much money you make in your life. Um, and these, and our students were, were geniuses. They're bright. They're they're no worse than any other students in the world. But they were not shooting for super selective careers. And a part of that was they just didn't know anyone who'd done them. So we wanted. We started first. We 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 researched to see if there was any other nonprofit that focused specifically on exposing students not to college because I don't think college is a goal that you know bears a lot of fruit like if you go to college without a career goal you're just going to go to college and graduate without a career mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense our we could not find another nonprofit that focused on exposing black kids to careers where they could make over six figures within three to five years from college and because we didn't find it we decided to create the Kirkwood Foundation and that is our mission to to high-paying STEM, legal, medical, and financial careers. And we do it through bringing in the first year, we did it just with black women, or black lady students, <laughs> young girls. They were uh, high school students. And we brought in the black professionals to the west side of Chicago, and all the professionals were diverse, and we brought them to our students because we thought it was important for the first year to show them that, you know, we can get people out to y'all. Like, you don't always have to leave your community to see greatness, you can see it here. So we brought students to their, um, to where the students um, are in school, which was on the west side of Chicago. The second year, which is this year, we focus on taking them out to different corporations, but not just taking them to corporations, but taking them to corporations where they can see um, diversity at the top of the corporation. And we're very deliberate about that. So we actually, when I call the company to set it up, I say, okay, we wanna bring our students, however, I'm going to need y'all to find every black and brown employee that you have and ask them, will they speak to our students? I do not want my kids to come there and you only show them white employees. Is that going to be a problem? Mm. And I'm going to tell you, most of these companies have a hard time figuring that out. (laughs) They are like, well, we don't really have one of our companies didn't have not a single black employee. They only had, um, they did find uh, diversity in other ways. They were like, okay, we don't have an African-American employee right now. Um, and this is actually brought to light that that's an issue. However, um, we have employees who immigrated. We have employees who have done different things. We have some employees who graduated 
high school and still made six figures. We have some employees who've done, who graduated college and came straight out and started at six figures. So they found diversity in other ways. But I, I wanted to, and they had to answer that question to our students as to why they did not have black employees. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of what we, we do with the Kirkwood Foundation. And we hold the company's feet to the fire and we let our students ask whatever questions they want to ask. And our students have been taught to ask about money. So a lot of their questions are like, so what's the average fighting salary? And they're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they're asking. I was like, oh, no, no. Oh, but here we talk money with our kids. So, yeah, right. those are the questions they want to know. Get us somebody from HR. Let's figure it out. <laughs> like they, they have questions, you know, and I, and I don't want them to be scared to ask anything. And I want them to feel comfortable in those rooms. And I want the company to be prepared for our students. Don't put them in the back. Put them in a conference room. Be prepared for these black, brilliant geniuses that you're about to have come in this company. Because so often we have our kids in these companies and we're like, okay, well, be quiet. Don't say that. And make sure you, you know, ask the right question. And like, I don't scream their questions. That's right. That's right. You know, we, we want them to feel comfortable. So I absolutely love that concept because I think there's a couple of things you've talked about during this conversation that brings me to this. Um, you are a Christian. You come from the church setting, you're born and raised, you became an attorney. And those two sometimes, you know, people are afraid to have that conversation when it comes down to spirituality when it comes down to wealth. And so oftentimes I think that has been one of the barriers in our, our families is that, you know, we, we come from a history of not having anything. And we were taught that that's the only way mm-hmm. that you can stay righteous is to stay broke. Um, yes. And I know I've been critical at times about certain things in the church, but one thing that I do think that we need to really change is this idea that we have to have this broke and um, docile like mindset. And so what you guys are doing mm-hmm. is teaching kids early that it's okay to be wealthy. It's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to build wealth. It's okay to ask about money and to, you know, go for the top dollar. And that's often something that, which is why we choose. And, and there's nothing wrong with nurses because nurses, nurses make good money. But I saw that working at, at right. a college is that, Oftentimes, and, and the thing about nursing, nurses do make great money. And we actually introduced them to a um, woman who had her PhD in nursing and is a nurse exactly, practitioner. Exactly. So we just want for every career, you got to shoot for the top. Now, if you end up, you know, doing something different, that's great. But within nursing, what's the top of nursing? Within bar, what's, exactly. what's the top of being a beautician? How many beauticians, like how many salons do you want to own? How, what's your revenue structure? So we just want them to start thinking bigger. Exactly. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, it's okay because you're absolutely right. Because the reason why they choose nursing is because mom was a CNA. So they're like, if I could mm-hmm. just be an LPN, then we've made it. You know, they don't know about Mm -hmm. all these things you just mentioned. You know, they don't know about a lot of that stuff. And so that's one of the issues that I struggled with working at a college where I was trying to, unfortunately, I I couldn't even take a lot of nursing students in my program because unfortunately they were not meeting the, um, the guidelines and requirements to graduate on time. So they, they, I had a, I had a program where I ran, you know, you had to graduate students in a certain amount of time. That's a whole nother story, but and because they came underprepared and because they didn't really know how to be successful, they were not finishing a two-year program in two years. It would take them sometimes five to 10 years to finish a two-year program because they were. Oh, so- wow. And so, but, you know, but that, again, that's still people coming from a background where mom was a CNA, grandma was a CNA. And so if you can make it become an mm-hmm. LP, you know, and if you become a registered nurse, that's really amazing. But like you said, they're not looking at getting a PhD and become a, a a nurse practitioner and become the labor delivery nurse and all those different things. They are looking at the, a step right above their last generation. And that's something that you guys yep. are going to change that narrative. 
Oh, yes, definitely. And one thing I will say that I really appreciate about our students is we have the buy-in of the parents and of they have one, there's a couple of African, first off, the school is, all the students are black, but the administration is not. I always thought that was a problem, just being honest. Mm -hmm. But also because of what we talk about in our program is black excellence, and I'm not shy about that. When there was a, um, a white woman from the school that wanted to kind of sit in, I was like, uh-uh, you're going to have to give me some women of color who can sit in. <laughs> because the way this program is set up, I want them to understand that there is enough of us to do every job, period. So if you want to, like, your presence here may make some of my students feel, some, like, I need them to know this is, this is a safe zone. We're going to talk about being black and proud. And that's what we're going to do. And, we, and she actually found us um, a black counselor who sits in. And when I say this woman is so committed, so committed, the students love her. They trust her. And this year we've expanded it to, to guys because so many of the girls, you know, they got their boyfriends and every, and they got friends who were like, well, why don't we have a program? And there isn't enough done for black boys. And so we expanded it to boys. My husband is far more involved this year. He goes on all the field trips. Um, we have an African-American male counselor who's very involved very helpful and we just have so much great support at the school and the parents of our students even if they don't understand everything they come to whatever we invite parents to they want their students to learn and I just commend them so much for that because I don't know how difficult it is to be a parent I can only imagine but I do know that it is it takes a lot of wisdom to know like you know what maybe I'm not so I can't give you um, this particular set of knowledge, but I know you need it, so I'm going to make sure you're there. So we have some awesome parents for our students that help out as well. That's great. That's good to know. Well, I'm definitely um, excited about the work that you're doing. If anybody wanted to make a contribution, how can they donate? Definitely. So they can um, donate to, oh, oh, well, if you go to the KirkwoodFoundation.com, there's a donate button right on our website, and you can donate that way. So that would be the easiest and the quickest way. You can go right to the KirkwoodFoundation.com and press the donate link and drop us a donation. That would be awesome, guys, if you can help out because this is really serious work you guys are doing. So thank you for sharing that. Well, I know you are extremely busy, so I do want to talk about one more thing before I let you go. And it's my favorite subject. Yes, of course. Podcasting. So you have a podcast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's called, is it The Confidence of Currency? The currency of confidence. Okay, the currency of confidence. I'm going to have to go ahead and get my life right. All I know is that Ashley Kirkwood is on there, so I listen to it. <laughs> um, so the currency of confidence podcast, and I've enjoyed it. You've had several great episodes. You just launched January 1st, and so I always tune in. And tell us about your goal and your intent with that show. That is a great question. So my goal and my intent with the currency of confidence podcast is to teach people ways to increase your confidence and then convert that confidence into more money in your business and professional life. So all of the topics will go back to that value system is how do you increase your confidence? We have one episode about confidence after a corporate setback or confidence in entrepreneurship, um, confidence in reality TV. Like how do you build confidence even when you're on a reality TV show and everyone's talking about you? And we interview, um, we interview Charmaine from Black Ink Crew Chicago's VH1 show or VH1's Black Ink Crew Chicago show and it was interesting talking to a reality star talking to a, I talked to a black woman for one of the episodes Kim Lewis was on there and we talked to her about building a million dollar brand as a naturalista all about natural hair and how that 
her having enough confidence to wear her natural hair is what led her to build a seven-figure business for natural hair care. So that the, the goal is just to teach people strategies to increase confidence and then walk in confidence every single day and to let people know, because people see people like us, both of us, Lauren, and I'm sure they think like, oh, they're confident or, oh, they, you know, they're always confident. They don't really, you know, deal with much. And what people don't understand is I practice confidence the same way some people practice self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I practice, I, I work on it. So when I, everyone has those thoughts of like, self-doubt or, or, you know, I'm, maybe I'm not doing this right, or maybe I can't pull this off. And instead of giving in to those things, I just try to run towards the thing that scares me. But it is a practice. And there are things that I do, especially as an entrepreneur, to increase confidence um, very deliberately, like affirmations and writing out positive things about myself and vision boarding and then having an action plan and having goals every day. But it's a del- it's deliberate steps that I take to increase confidence every single day. And they're steps that other people can duplicate because I don't think anything that I've done is, is unique to me. You know, I love God. I pray. I, I try to be as centered as I can in him, but I do, I put a lot of action on my face and the action is what the podcast is about and how other people can emulate the action from myself and other people who've had some success by being confident and use it for their own lives, whether they're a business professional or an entrepreneur. And I, again, I will say it again, I absolutely love the show because in, in some of those, those episodes that you mentioned, they were taped at your live taping that you did for the Ashton and Cole show, correct? Yes, they were. Yes. And that went very well. Yes, it was very fun. And it was, it was kind of wild. Like cause we planned it in two months. It was a live taping before a studio audience. It was so much work, <laughs> way more work than I even thought about it being <laughs> but it was it was really good to do and I'm excited to do that yes it was that, really good to do I'm glad I did it I love the episode with your parents because they talked about raising confident yes. children yeah yes that was and you know what we totally messed up by not having a longer Q&A or a Q&A with them because everyone was like what we wanted to ask your parents so many questions we have so many questions Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so that's so my fault. My parents are awesome, and their their segment was like one of my favorites by far. Them and um Kim Lewis, and then we had a therapist on there, right, right, yeah, about confidence and mental health, which was a really I added that after having some mental health challenges on my own. Um, so that was a really important segment to have and a conversation to have because it's not it's not perfect, like. I don't want anyone to hear my story and think like, oh, she has it all together. I don't. I just try every day. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's an effort like, every day. I really day. don't know what else to say. It is an everyday effort. I try every single day. Um, it, I know that people think people with platforms or people with um, businesses have it all together or it looks like we have it all together because we are, we are marketers and sell, we're salespeople too. So, you know, we are always promoting our best foot forward but the reality is it's really tough and we have to do things like therapy um like having tough conversations like having great friends like you um being around women who support other women listening to your podcast people who uplift other women because it is it is an effort i mean i'm sure i'm sure people think you know when you're doing the melanated queens awards and in this podcast that you are a confident black woman and it's always been that way but I'm sure that you've had to work at it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I've actually, you're absolutely right. People have said that to me. They were like, so you got your ish together, you're doing this and everything looks so great. I'm like, listen, you don't know. First of all, um, 
I work a nonprofit. I make little money. I commute 90, 90 minutes each way to work. And so by the time I get to work, I'm exhausted. Then I get home and I do all this stuff. And I'm in and, and this, it, although it is a business, it's still, it's still a brand that's growing and developing. And so it takes time and takes a lot of patience. And then it, and going through a termination and going through several oh, jobs yes. after that, that did not necessarily appreciate, you know, Yep. what I could bring to the table, which is why I really love what you were saying earlier about, you know, it really doesn't matter. Like sometimes the more credentials you have, the more, the more you can offer that sometimes the, the less people in the workplace can respect you. And so that has, that can definitely ruin and tarnish your confidence. And so you have to take a moment day and talk to yourself and remind, and you said something I loved actually one day on one of your shows, you said, you have to ask yourself, what, what is your name? What does my name mean? And, and yes. when people are talking to you crazy, you have to remind them of who you are. And that yes. is something that hit home because it's very true. It's a daily struggle. It really is, Lauren. Like, I have cried. I have been depressed. I have been, like, I mean, every, like, all of it, all of it. It's not, it's not sweet. And I, I wish there was a way to convince people that what you're saying is the 100% truth that it may look good on the outside, but it's because we work at it. And it's because we understand the obligation that is upon us when people look up to you. So it wouldn't help my, it wouldn't help people to see me depressed every day. You know what I mean? Like it just would not help them. So I always try to be a light and try to be a help. So before I get out there and encourage you, I try to, I get myself together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to show up for you, you know, half doing it or, well, maybe it won't work. I guess that like, cause that's not, that would be the opposite of faith, you know, but what you're saying is so true. And I'm so glad that you said it because people need to know that your, your faves or the people that you look up to go through dark days, just like you. The only difference is how you come out of it right. and you have to do whatever it takes. For you to get out of that i say this all the time like whatever do whatever it takes <laughs> to get out of that funk if it means therapy it means therapy if it means staying off social media then stay off social media if it means getting re- like not answering the phone for your family don't answer the phone for your family like do whatever mm-hmm. it takes for you to get back to a positive mental space because i know what it feels like to have a mental breakdown and i know that it's not a good feeling um and it's embarrassing and i know what it feels like to be publicly embarrassed um, which is a horrible feeling. And I will say the one positive is once you've been publicly humiliated and come out of it, you can basically come out of anything. At that point, it's not really about fear because you're like, all right, well, hey, it didn't kill me, you know. But I encourage people to think of all the things that you've come through, meaning all the things that you're still alive but yet suffered, and write them down. And then when you have a new challenge, don't just forget what you've been through and what you've already come through. Right. Like, let that give you more power because it means that you're, you're able to withstand more than you think. Well, shout out to Chris Kirkwood as well, because I know that he has been uh, a very integral part of your success as well, because having people who are in your corner and love you unconditionally is very important as well, guys. Oh, my gosh. So important. And I'm married, which I do not take that for granted. And mm-hmm. I, you know. I do not take it for granted. And marriage, you know, people say like marriage is so hard and marriage is all these other things. Marriage is, marriage is marriage. I'm not going to say marriage is easy. I'm not going to say marriage is perfect. But I will say because I did marry a man whose values I can trust, it is helpful. It's way more helpful than hurtful. And like for me, Chris has been 
a huge, huge, huge support system. And he's a genuinely good dude. Like, even if we weren't married, I'd be like, man, that is a good brother right there. Like, he is a very good person. Um, and, And I know myself, and I know that I'm not easy to deal with. So I am super grateful to him uh yeah I, I you know and if you're single because i know well i guess this will air after valentine's day but i always see valentine's day posts with women who are like oh you know i'm single and valentine's day is just a reminder the reality is when you're looking for, if you are looking for someone um and you you may agree with this as a married woman i think the number one thing you have to look for is character yep absolutely i agree because everything else can change everything mm-hmm. else can change yep this is very true this is very true and so, yeah, so having that, that support system and uh, marriage is beautiful. I will say that it, it t- today is Valentine's Day, guys. So as we record this, it yeah. is Valentine's <laughs> Day. You will hear this a week or so later, but um, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. When, especially when you're going through these journeys. So Ashley, oh you call goodness, yourself yeah. the lit lawyer. Yes. So as we wrap up, explain what that means so that we are reminded of why we need to go to your website and register for your classes because you are the lit lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So that is so funny, that name. I don't even know how that name came about, but I call myself the lit lawyer because I try to be fun in, in discussing legal topics. But I also call myself the lit lawyer because I'm a Christian. And so when you think of people used to say in, in church of old, I don't really hear as much anymore, but like you're the Holy Ghost fire and all that. Did you ever hear that? And you're, <laughs> yeah. when you're going to church. Yeah. So I was like, great. I'm lit. I got the Holy Ghost. I'm a lawyer. I'm fun. Like, this is perfect. So it's kind of a play on words because I don't go out and, and get lit, quote unquote, like getting drunk and all. Like, I don't do any of that. But um, I am fun. I am filled with God's spirit. And I feel like that gives me the best ability to provide awesome, fun, informative services to my clients and do exceptional work for them. Yeah, and I love it. I absolutely love it because I think a lot of people are intimidated by law you know, and working they with are, yeah. And so, you know, you provide definitely a different flavor that I think we can all relate to, especially millennials, because we are yes. growing in this whole business game. A lot of us are learning that you got to have something, at least a side hustle, and you have to be um, careful. And, and so part of the strategy is having an attorney. And I've heard you say that you need to have an accountant and an attorney. Yes, definitely an accountant and an attorney. If nothing else, have those two things on your corner. So of course, if I don't stop now, I'll talk to you all day and you will never get anything done. And you have, you have clients and stuff to work with, so I won't keep you, but I do want people to know how to reach you. So what's your website? What's your social media? How can they find you? Absolutely. So if you're an entrepreneur out there, you do not have a lawyer, you've never at least spoken to a lawyer, then head to mobilegeneralcouncil.com and schedule a consultation with me. You all can follow me on Instagram at the Ashley Nicole show. And my personal and speaking website is theashleynicoleshow.com. If you're interested in the podcast, then you can find that at, um, if you go on Instagram, at The Currency of Confidence. But my personal website, theashleynicoleshow.com, has everything under the tab, all things Ashley Nicole. So hopefully you all will reach out to me on Instagram. Feel free to shoot me an email, info at mobilegeneralcouncil.com. And I will talk to you all soon. And I want to personally thank you for your servant leadership in our community, which is why you have been recognized as 2019 Millenator Queen Award honoree. So thank you again, thank Ashley. Thank you. For thank you. That's so amazing. And what you're doing is great, Lauren. Like, keep it going. I don't even know what it takes to do all the things that you do, but 
keep it uh it is making a difference it's making an impact and we don't when we do podcasts exciting podcasts we don't get to hear immediately how people feel about it and all that stuff but i want you to know it's really important the work that you're doing and i hope that you're just staying encouraged and i just pray many blessings and even more territory was coming your way in 2019 Thank you. I really appreciate that because I certainly asked God. I said, Lord, it's January 1st, 2019. I'm I'm praying that you bless me with resources that I can't even imagine because right now I don't know where it's going to come yes. from. And he's been doing that yes. you know, in so many ways, even the in-kind donations and the services and even with the award show, people are coming in saying, hey, I can offer you media. I can offer you this. And I never even thought about that. I just wanted to recognize some mm-hmm. women doing some great things. And so prayers work, you know, talking to God and even the things that we don't say formally, if we just speak it. It very well Mm -hmm. and so it's so important, which is why, you know, I do admire you, Ashley, because, you know, we we talk about bounce back. We talk about, you know, like when you fall, get up right away and you've done that and you represent that well. And so I think it's important that we uplift one another. And we're neighbors, too. I mean, how about that? Yes, I know. I know. And I'm so down for another breakfast or lunch whenever. Yes, we (laughs) have to. I basically work in Flossmore. There's like not that much going on out here. No, no, and I'm, I'm right down the street from you. So, and shout out to Dr. Kerry Yazi for making this connection all the way down in Louisiana. Yes. <laughs> yes. All the way down in Louisiana. Definitely. She made this connection. I would have never known, though. So, that's the power of networking as well. Mm-hmm. So, before we go, Ashley, anything you want to share with the people? Any parting words? You know, I'll just say to everyone that's listening, this is a step in the right direction. Just being encouraged by other women and keep your head up. Keep your head up. I don't know what anyone's going through, but no matter what you're going through, you can get through it. You can get through it. If you're alive, if there is still breath in your body, that means there is still purpose in you. I heard that from, um, I think I want Chelsea Purnell, the founder of uh, Young Women's Professional League 40 Under 40 or someone who spoke at her event. But that that really has stuck with me. If there's still breath in your body, then that means there's still purpose in you. So you still have another shot to get it right. Yes, I agree. And yes, I, I, I live by those words as well, though. So that's good. Well, thank you again, Ashley. Thank you so much for just being here so we can glean from you and learn from you. And we can sign up for some of those awesome programs that you have so we can get our life together, get our brands protected. So I encourage yes. everyone to register, especially for um, the tea on trademarks, because that's so important. Yes, for sure. Okay. Well, guys, once again, thank you for tuning in. And we look forward to chatting with you again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you are in the Chicagoland area, we would love to have you join us at the Melanated Queen Awards on Saturday, April 13th. Tickets are sold on eventbrite.com. If you enjoy the Confessions of a Melanated Queen podcast, please head over to iTunes and give us five stars and a review. I appreciate all of your love and support. I look forward to chatting with you next week.